excited to bring this interview to you today that is with Janet Whalen and it involves two things I feel very strongly if not passionately about. One is going in the direction of where you want to go next in midlife and taking some risk and chance and just really being who you are and sleep. Sleep. I love sleep and in my own life I've been most recently struggling a bit with my own sleeping in the last year and a half, two years. So there are some great gems in this interview. There's some points that are great takeaways, whether you sleep well or not, or maybe you're just thinking about making a change and you just aren't sure. So I hope you'll enjoy this interview as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. And with that, here's the interview. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Older and Bolder podcast. And on today's episode, I am speaking with Janet Whalen, right? Yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> I pronounced it correctly. I don't want to make the wrong vowel sound. And Janet is, well, I'll tell you briefly what she's told me. She is a sleep coach for midlife women and moms, but I think Janet probably has an excellent way to introduce herself. So Janet, welcome. And please tell us a little bit about you. Hi, thanks for having me. It's, uh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I I call myself a sleep coach. I, It's sort of a combination of sleep and self-care and stress management and a whole range of things that I work with women on. The goal is to help them sleep better, but the way we get there and often involves a lot of other a lot, of, a lot of other topics. So people sometimes come and they think, well, but I just want to sleep better. I don't have any worries. I'm not stressed. <laughs> we uncover the fact that they actually are. So I've been doing this for about a year and a half now. Before that, I was a business coach. And before that, I was a marketer. I'm a mom, I'm a wife. My kids are young adults now. So this is my big focus. Yeah. That's amazing. So what we, what I love to have people talk about on the podcast when they're, when they're sharing about themselves and their story and what they're doing now is a little bit about the history of you and how you got from, yeah, we can go way back if you want, or, but, but sort of like the pre-story to the shift, because you, as you just said, you've been, you made your change into becoming a sleep coach not that long ago, really. Right. I mean, you know, in a way, long enough ago. I mean, it feels like, you know, a year and a half is quite a long time. But before that, th there were some other things. So can yeah. you tell us like a little bit about the history of, well, sleep in your life and, and, and what you were doing in the before time, before, before what you do now? Yeah, I usually think about before COVID when people say that now. <laughs> <laughs> in the before time. Yes, in well, it will be a model. <laughs> I know. Um, wow, yeah. So I've done quite a few different things in my, in the lifetime of my career. I went to school. I first had a degree in history because I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And then I realized I didn't. And then I went back and got another degree in public relations, fell into a marketing career, did that for years, mm. um, really enjoyed it thought, you know, it was a great career, uh, met my husband that way. And then I had my kids and stayed home for a little while. And I thought, okay, I can't go back to work because I wasn't making enough money to pay for what daycare was going to cost for two kids and still make it feel worth it to not be there. So I decided I would take a few years off, stay home with them quickly got bored, <laughs> realized I'm fairly entrepreneurial as it turns out. I had no idea that that was the case, but um, I just started trying to figure out like, what else could I do? What could I do from home just to kind of cure this boredom? And I had a photography hobby 
that I'd been working on for years. I had a dark room in my basement. Like it was just something that I loved to do. I thought it was fun. And this is at the beginning of digital photography. <laughs> so I just threw myself into the world of digital and ended up starting a family photography business that I ran for like five years. Wait, wait. So then, sorry, what? No, I was just thinking, I was trying to remember like, when did digital photography become like the big thing? Do you, In like the very early 2000s, okay. early late 90s, 90s, early 2000s, like yeah. around the time that blogging really got going and you know, so I built all my own websites, my own blogs, like early adopter of all social media, all these things that, you know, some people who are just starting businesses now who are my age <laughs> struggle with because it wasn't something that they ever thought to get interested in. But I, I've kind of been doing it since the beginning, which I think made becoming a coach and doing all the business part of coaching a little easier for me because a i'd already kind of started a business in the online space i'd built websites i'd done all that stuff i knew how to communicate with potential clients plus i was a marketer so <laughs> it all just those parts of it were like really quite simple for me so i became a coach five years ago now almost i think four or five I, i'm not even 100 sure as i say that um <laughs> Yeah. And what was the transition? I'm going to interrupt you there because here you were in, you know, business, you know, you were doing the marketing career, right? And then you went yep. to digital photography and you had that business. How long were you a digital photographer? Five years. Five years. And so this totally is actually done. an interesting story. We didn't actually talk about this when we, when we talked earlier. Oh, okay. Uh, um, I, I might still be doing that today. Uh, if not for something that happened with my family, um, we were the victims of a, a violent home invasion, actually. Mm. And um, for the initial time after that, I like the guy was caught in our house. So yeah. he went to jail for a short time. <laughs> but uh, for a short time after that, because we knew who he was and we were, you know, having court dates with him and he knew where we lived, of course, and all that, I felt uncomfortable having other people's children on my website and, you know, mm. promoting my work and all of that kind of stuff, because I felt like I was kind of, you know, giving him too much information. Mm. And that was really challenging for me. Plus I had PTSD and a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Mm. And I just shut that business down. It wasn't even really a conscious decision. It was more like a safety. I just need to feel better. <laughs> How can I feel better quickly? Let's just stop doing all this and let's just kind of hide for a little while. And then I'll figure out what I want to do. I did, I did keep doing it for a little bit, but it just, I don't know. I, I just felt like I lost the, the mojo somehow mm -hmm. around that whole time. So, um, yeah, I, the transition to coaching actually involved me getting a few more marketing jobs. In the meantime, I did a bunch of freelance work after I, I closed my photography business and um, really got used to the idea of working at home. And I got my last sort of out of the house job in, I don't even remember, must be seven years ago now okay. and worked there for a year. I was doing marketing consulting for entrepreneurs in the tech, in the tech space. And what I was really realizing was um, that women in particular were having challenges to start their businesses. They had challenges getting funding. Uh, they had challenges promoting themselves. Um, you know, the whole gamut of kind of unfair treatment that women in business often get. And so I started a what was a blog that then became a podcast called She Breaks the Mold to try and highlight some of these women and their stories and, you know, what we could do to fix this problem. And that's how I became a coach. People started contacting me, contacting me and saying, well, it sounds like you're a coach. Like, can I work with you? And I was like, well, not really a coach. I'm kind of a marketing consultant, but maybe I should look into being a coach. So I did. And I got um, my first coaching education at CTI, which is coactive, the coactive um, institute, I think they call themselves now, or the coactive training institute. Um, 
And then I started a coaching business to help women entrepreneurs. And so that was just kind of a, it was something I kind of slid into. It wasn't really intentional. I didn't sit back and think, okay, now that I have some coaching tools under my belt, what do I really want to do with them? It was more of a reaction to what I was being asked to do mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, taking the tools and the education and the knowledge that I already had and applying these tools to that. Yeah. And I liked it. And I still, I still like talking business. It's still fun for me. Um, but right around the time that the pandemic kind of shut everything down, like March, 2020, I was also in a car accident and I had a concussion and my clients all kind of put their coaching on hold because, you know, some of them were brick and mortar businesses and suddenly they didn't have any customers and they couldn't afford coaching. And I thought, okay, I have this thing that I need to heal from. My head was not functioning the way that it needed to. And um, my clients, you know, all of this perfect storm has given me an opportunity to really think about what I want to do. And I was working with a coach at the time and I told her this and she said, well, you know, the typical coaching question, if you could do anything, what would it be? And I just blurted out, I would help women with their sleep because it was a thing that I had fixed myself through mostly self-coaching. And I couldn't even really believe that it came out of my mouth because I, I'd never planned it. I'd never sat and thought, I wish I could do that. It was just um, it, it had made such a difference in my life to fix my own sleep through coaching that I thought this feels like something that other people need and just, in, sorry, yeah, finish your set. I'm sorry. I just been having conversations with other women, my age and my friends and stuff. Um, they really encouraged me as well. So I started researching it and ended up getting a CBTI certification, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Let's pause you there. (laughs) Let's pause you there because I have questions. Go for it. (laughs) This is such a a fun story because I think it highlights sometimes what we forget. And and I know since you're a coach, um, even now, and and both of us have have some similarities in our background, I think sometimes people, it's helpful for people to realize that our the journeys when we're changing things aren't really that linear. Right. Right. Because right. it's, I mean, yeah. here, you know, you won't, you know, just to kind of like go back and look, and then there's something I want to ask you um, about, about this all a little bit is, you know, you had the marketing and then you were looking at, you did digital photography, but then something, an, an event happened in your life. Right. And yeah. It was, it was, it felt like a really serious event. There was a lot going on. So you shifted gears and you went and did something. And then that led to the, you know, just these little like moments and changes, right? And then the pandemic, um, something else yep. that was just out of our control. And when you said, um, what do you really want to do? And I love that, you know, you, you really brought up this thing that I've experienced. I know other people have experienced. It's like this thing you didn't almost didn't know was inside of you that you really wanted, but it just kind of comes out suddenly. And, yeah. like, and whether or not it's the right time, it shows up and it did it. It sounds like it kind of caught you or like, wait, what? <laughs> it totally caught me off guard. And the coach that I had at the time was also a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. And she happened to work with some people who had this as an issue. And she just was like, whoa, stop. If you did that, I would have so many people for you. And I thought, okay, that's the reaction that you want. If you're picking a niche, right? Is that other people go, oh my gosh, of course. Um, so yeah. I think we need to talk about your history and sleep or your yeah. sleep history or how should we say that? like your history, yeah, your, your personal history. history was sleep because that's something we talked about before, but I think it's a really interesting journey. Yeah, I was, well, I just call myself a terrible sleeper my whole life. Mm. I don't anymore. I'm a fantastic sleeper now. I love sleep. It's amazing. I think I wish everybody else could sleep the way I, my husband was just saying to me today, you don't even know how fast you fall asleep now, do you? (laughs) And I used to always just lie there and listen to him and breathe and think, oh my gosh, like I'm so resentful of you. Anyway. Yes. Um, I can remember being a kid 
like in nursery school when all the other kids were like napping on their little mats at nap time. And I'm lying there looking around going, why am I the only one awake? Why don't they realize they don't have to sleep? This is crazy. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. And, um, you know, every night my parents would put us all to bed and I would come back down the stairs and complain that I couldn't sleep. And they would send me right back up to try harder, which is by the way, the worst advice you can give anyone. Mm. Um, trying harder just makes insomnia worse. Uh, little aside, but um, put a pin in that, right? It's yeah, kind of like yeah, trying can. harder. Yeah, trying harder is is it, trying harder causes a stress response in our body, right? Mm. And it, it creates um, our sleep is not conducive to having stress hormones coursing through our body. So yeah, it's the worst thing you can do. So I grew up learning that that's what I should be doing. I should be trying harder, right? But every time I tried harder, it didn't work. And then as a university student, my sleep was completely backward and upside down. And, you know, in my first year, I remember at one point just having it be totally backwards. Like I would sleep in the afternoon and be up all night studying or writing papers or whatever and trying to make it to class and hand things in and just feeling miserable um and that just continued probably until i got a job which forced me to <laughs> work on waking up at, at an appropriate time but again you know sleeping in on weekends thinking that this is a treat because this is what we tell ourselves and what society wait is that not a good thing no it's a terrible thing <laughs> oh my gosh we're gonna like some yeah. people are going to be moaning out there going like, no, yeah. Yeah, that's when right. I catch up. <laughs> we, exactly. That's exactly what we think it is. But mm. in fact, what we're doing is setting ourselves up for like a lifestyle jet lag. So if you think about it, every time you change your, your sleep schedule, when you travel, because of the time change, you're throwing your circadian rhythm out of balance, right? Because it's set up for every 24 hours to sort of expect the same things to happen. And as soon as you change that on a weekend, suddenly it doesn't work anymore. So you might get up at, say you get up normally at 6.30 on weekdays and you get up at 10 on Saturday and Sunday. And then on Sunday night, you expect yourself to be able to fall asleep at the same time so you can go to work again. Well, you haven't been awake long enough to actually be tired. So you stay awake, tossing and turning, looking at the ceiling, getting frustrated and you think, why can't I sleep? But you don't realize it's because your wakefulness system just hasn't, it, it's not ready. <laughs> you're it not ready. Done that. It hasn't done that. Yeah. Dip. Yeah. yeah. You're not ready to be tired yet because you, mm. you haven't been awake long enough. So, um, we don't, we're not, we don't learn this as kids. Right. And then we're supported by societal messages that tell us we're catching up or we're doing some kind of luxurious thing for ourselves by, staying in bed half the day on the weekends. And it feels great at the time, <laughs> but we're setting ourselves up for more insomnia, which means we feel the next weekend, like we need to catch up again. And it just becomes a vicious cycle. So I did all of that um, through my twenties and early thirties. And then I had kids. <laughs> there is so much help with that too. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. So, so that whole experience just took being um, a really poor sleeper and making it like what it just felt insurmountable at that point. And I, I also had, um, sort of what I call like, you know, insomnia and FOMO together. So like when I had my kids, um, I remember being in the hospital with them and feeling like I was so exhausted. I needed to go to sleep, but if I fell asleep, I wouldn't know if someone came in and took my baby or, like did something or, you know, something that I wasn't aware of. And I was just totally anxious about that and just wouldn't let myself sleep. And, and then same thing at home. I just keep this one ear open, listening for them, making sure they're breathing, all of that kind of stuff. And that just created like years of Parenting terrible anxiety. habits. <laughs> <Yeah>. Parenting <laughs> anxiety. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember, I remember like, you're like, yeah. wait, I had a noisy first baby. She was like yeah. a noisy breather. And the first, oh my gosh, we had, I mean, the whole thing about, you know, your baby sleeping in your room, not sleeping in your room. And at first we, we did, we had her sleeping at the end of the bed. I remember yeah. this, you might laugh at this story, but there may be other people out there who are like, oh my gosh, or they're thinking about it. And as she was kind of like, 
she'd be a, like that snorty gurgly baby for a bit. There was nothing wrong with her. She was just snorty gurgly. Yeah. And after a couple nights of here, I'm like, oh my God, I was like, I got to put her in the other room. I'm just going to have to trust she's okay because I cannot sleep. Oh, and that's it was it's awful. The it's the worst feeling, right? And my husband can can wake us. So the other thing would be, I didn't believe that I could be woken up in the night and then fall back asleep. Like, so to go and feed the baby and then go back to sleep was impossible to me. I, once I'm up, I'm up. That's what I believed. And because he could go right back to sleep, we sort of started sharing the middle of the night stuff. But at the same time, I'm still listening, right? So I'm still awake. So it's not doing me any good that he's trying to help. So yeah, that <laughs> that made it a lot worse. And my first baby didn't sleep. So oh. that made it even worse. But yeah, so I mean, I can remember well into my 40s, easily late 40s. Um, and the home invasion didn't help either because that happened in the middle of the night. So there was a whole lot of stuff around that. But um, yeah, so long story short, very terrible sleeper. Most of my life, the fact that I called myself a terrible sleeper also made that worse because as soon as you assume an identity, right, you, mm. your brain goes looking for all the evidence to prove that you're right. Wait, let's, let's clarify that for some people who may be yeah. going like, but it's true. Yeah. What does that mean? Of course I'm a yeah. terrible sleeper. What do you mean, Janet? Yeah. You, well, you, because you're telling yourself you're a terrible sleeper, mm -hmm. you want to believe that that's true, right? You don't know that it's true a hundred percent of the time. No one is a terrible sleeper every single night. Very few people, most insomniacs sleep more than they think they do and are awake for less time than they, than they think, but they also sort of struggle with sleep in cycles. So you might have a couple of weeks where you're sleeping terribly. And then a couple of weeks where you're pretty, what pretty good, or you go on vacation and you sleep really well. Um, or you're kind of awake for like two or three nights getting very little sleep. And then the next two nights you just crash and sleep really well, because that's what happens. Our bodies just force us to sleep. Um, so, but by, but by saying I'm a terrible sleeper, we are kind of cementing this thought as a belief, right. And then our brains like, all it wants to see is evidence to support that because mm -hmm. it's a, it's an internalized belief. And so then we create all kinds of habits that support that belief and the whole thing just, you know, just keeps getting to be a bigger belief <laughs> and it feels more and more true. So this is going to, this might be an, inter an unusual question for me to ask, but so you have been able to do this for yourself to, change this for yourself clearly yep. because now you're helping others yes. what i mean you could know this and you could have been like yeah i fixed it but there was a there's a why behind why you wanted to do it which is often the case when people want to make these shifts in their life right they want to make the change is yeah. there's a there's a reason why so what is the reason what is that why or what are your what it was the value or values that kind of, when you said like, I want to do this, that drew you to saying like, I'm going to coach women to help them sleep better. Yeah. Like after I fixed it for myself is what mm -hmm. you're saying. Yeah. 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 After really? you did that, when you were talking with the other coach yeah. who was like, yeah. Yeah. So really it was because I learned through doing that for myself, like it was the most empowering coaching kind of experience doing this for myself. I mean, um, that I'd experienced in all my years of coaching, even other people. And I just thought if I can turn such a firm belief, <laughs> such a firm identity, like to the point where I just believe this is who I was, there's no hope for me. I am going to be a terrible sleeper for the rest of my life because that's just who I am. Um, and in fact, I think I even wore it like a bit of a badge of honor, right? Like I'm just mm. like, it, almost like the anxiety was my superpower. Like, yeah, but I just have one of those special brains that doesn't shut off. Like, <laughs> as if that's something to be proud of, right? Um, but um, turning that around was just so empowering to me to realize that I could take such a firmly embedded belief and change it. 
um, to something that was way more supportive of my health, of my well-being, of my um, my anxiety <laughs> levels, my relationships. Like sleeping well just impacts so many parts of our lives, and we don't realize when we're not sleeping how much it's affecting all of those things: our work, our relationships, the way we view ourselves. All driving your car. Oh it's like it's, that's one of those ones that I that sticks out to me because I've I've had some some I'll, you know full disclosure some sleep issues you and I talked about that yeah. in the last couple of years which could be a couple of things that I'm working on and uh, I remember one of the things is like people who people think it's a superpower but when you're sleep deprived I mean maybe you know you probably know that better than I do but there's a like the danger you are behind the wheel of a car is. It's scary. Yeah, it's really dangerous, really. And then especially if you're someone who has that coupled with you're maybe taking Ambien or one of these sleep medications that causes sort of a hangover effect um, or an amnesic effect. Some people get in their cars and drive and don't even know they've done it, mm. right? Which is terrifying. So yeah, <laughs> that's really scary. And uh, that wasn't me. That wasn't my issue, but I, I I never actually tried any prescription medications for my problem. I really just gave up a long, long time ago. However, I would like rummage through my medicine cabinet for any over-the-counter stuff that had a drowsiness side effect some nights if I was just desperate for sleep because I couldn't stand the idea of being awake. And that was the key thought that I had to change early on was that I had to stop being so attached to the idea that I should be asleep, right? I had to kind of embrace the idea of wakefulness being okay and that I'm a human and sometimes I'm awake. That just seems like, a, a, I mean, you and I speak the same language. We know that the thing with the, yeah. of this idea with, with thoughts and coaching and stuff, but just for the listeners yeah. who may not be familiar with it, I know it sounds like a, it's counterintuitive. The whole thing with sleep is counterintuitive. Okay. All right. So now we just, you just like put it all out there. It's counterintuitive. Yeah. It's so fascinating. It's funny early in my relationships with so many clients, they'll just, I can just see them on the zoom call looking at me like, and I'm like you don't believe me yet. I know, but just wait. And, um, you'll like half of the learning is learning to sort of unbelieve the stuff that you believed before because it really hasn't helped you and it's most likely caused your insomnia wow that's yeah. it's and this is for people by the way that don't have a biological or like physiological reason for insomnia like there are some serious sleep disorders out there that you really need a medical professional for or even a licensed therapist i'm a coach i'm none of those things so i really work with women who whose insomnia is really caused by unmanaged stress. It's not caused by a, a physical disorder or like an apnea or anything. There's right. neurological things that would do that. Yes. I'm sure. yeah. So no, uh, sleep apnea needs medical attention for sure. Uh, it's pretty dangerous too. So you want to make sure you are talking to your doctor and you get a sleep study done. Um, that's pretty important and no sleep coaching Sleep coaching doesn't really help with that. Sleep coaching can always help with your mindset around sleep, but it can't help really with the physical problem. So if you have a physical problem that's being managed and you want to do sleep coaching, it can sort of help support the other work that you're doing, but it should never replace it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always really careful to make sure people understand that. That's an excellent point. Thank you. Yeah. So you're helping people. You, 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 you made this shift to, to go from business coaching to, and pandemic hit. So there's that interruption, right? And so now you're like, I really want to do this. And you start taking the steps to do it. And here you are well over a year later and, um, over a year and a half later, yep. what, and, and you've been in business and marketing. So you, you have this view too, of like, when we're learning things and doing things like the the past of the photography business and setting up and doing so you're not unfamiliar with like trying things out and making some changes and and those challenges what have you noticed in this iteration of of your work in life in your path of life that becoming a sleep coach doing something that you have this 
really amazing why for doing. Um, what have you learned about yourself and your abilities through this change? And yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so one thing I think I was surprised by was how easily I was able to just sort of switch that niche. Like I really, it was, once I said it out loud, it was so true to me. Like I just, I don't think I've ever kind of, you know, when you say something and then, or you hear something said and you just get chills and you're like, oh, that's like so real and true. <laughs> like I'm, I can feel it in my body. Right. And that's what it felt like to me. It was like, this, I, I mean, I knew I was helping women with their businesses for sure. And I was using my background and, you know, my, my husband had been a, a pretty serious entrepreneur. And so I had the experience of living as an entrepreneur and like all of that I understood. And I felt like I was helping women with that, but there was so much kind of underneath just the business that I noticed they needed help with. And I was kind of, at first I thought, well, I don't really want to abandon them and I don't want to not be talking to them about their businesses anymore. But I realized there was no reason I needed to do that or feel like I was abandoning them because I'm just helping them in a different way now. Right? It's still a lot of the same people. Um, so that made it easier, I think, for me to kind of be like, I'm just... I'm just sort of addressing a different problem, um, but I'm still helping them in a way that's fundamentally um, important. And so about myself, to get back to your question, I realized how kind of flexible I'm able to be by just using all the experience that I've built up. Like the fact that I've kind of, now I've also been, very lucky that, you know, my husband's been employed this whole time. It was easier for me to kind of make a switch and we weren't fully relying on my income or anything like that. Mm. Um, I wasn't tied to something financially that was like, I, we desperately needed. So I was lucky in that way too. Um, but knowing that kind of, I had what I needed that I'd built up this whole bunch, this whole range of experience that I could tap into and just trust myself to be able to do this, like to start over, to believe that people would be okay with seeing me as this instead of as a business coach, right? Because it had taken me all these years to, to build up to like, I'm a business coach and saying that out loud. <laughs> and, then I'm and then I'm starting to say this. And at the time I didn't even know there was such a thing as sleep coaching. I thought I made it up. Like I was, I completely thought, this whole thing was just something that only I had experienced, which is bizarre. But um, when I started researching it and I realized how close what I had done for myself was to CBTI, and then it was a, an easy process of, you know, really learning that process and getting a certification and, um, and coupling that with my life coaching skills to create kind of this hybrid approach. Because CBTI, like you can do CBTI through a book. CBTI right? is, can you say Cognitive what it behavioral is? Behavioral therapy for insomnia. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and, and you can get it, you can find, there are several books, several really good books that tell you what to do and give you all the tools and you can do that. But one of the things that I find is my clients come to me and say, I've tried it. I read, I read this book and I tried it, but it didn't work. Mm. I'm like, I know you, you really have to have. I think some support to kind of help you undo what part of the process is figuring out what your sort of helpful and unhelpful sleep thoughts are, but it's really hard for people to realize that for themselves. Right. It's like, as you know, as a coach, like it's hard to uncover. Sometimes we just really need somebody else objectively helping us see our thoughts because we believe them to be true, everything that we think. Right. So to have somebody else sort of, go, okay, so why is that true? <laughs> you know, and is it really? And let's kind of interrogate that. And sometimes and, there's a thought we think isn't that way, or there's yeah. a belief or something is happening in our life, whatever it is. And it takes someone from kind of like that outside looking at us. It's There's an expression, one of my coaches, mentor coaches says, it's like, it's hard to see the label from inside the jar. 
Right. And it's sort of like, we don't always get to, it's so, it's so innate in a way it's just, or programmed or that it's hard to notice that until someone says, wait, back up a second. What did you just say? Like, huh? Okay. So, you know, just to kind of like, it's like peeling those layers. Exactly. And I find even, you know, you can read these CBTI books and you can learn what a negative and positive sleep thought are. That's sort of the language that gets used in that world. But often the negative sleep thoughts are not even thoughts about sleep, right? They're thoughts about your ability to do something. They're thoughts about how you view yourself. They're thoughts about, you know, for, for moms in particular, and that's who I really love to work with their thoughts about what they deserve as far as rest goes. Um, as that far is, as I love that actually that you, I, I'm just going to interject, like go for it. still your freebie is like, or you had, there's something you would send, you'd send, I think you'd send out. It was like about deserving rest. Oh, uh, yes. That's in my, I, I have one that's like, um, an, my top three sleep tips. And I talk about that in there about how, um, I'm always, it's funny because I, I, I want to find a better way to say this because I think when we talk about martyrdom, a lot of women shut down, right? Mm. Because we don't want to be called martyrs. We don't want to, we think that's super negative, but a lot of our thoughts around our families and our role in our family and our responsibilities can become a little martyry sometimes, right? Martyrish. We're a little martyrish as moms yeah. sometimes. Yeah. 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 And mm-hmm. so, um, and I don't want women to understand that in a, like to victimize themselves further with, with that thought. Cause I think that's what happens. Right. But things like, you know, I can't go to bed until my kitchen's clean mm-hmm. is a negative sleep thought. Mm-hmm because why, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. why can't you do that? Why do you believe your kitchen has to be clean for you to sleep? Right. It's not true. There's nothing, there is literally nothing about that. That's true. But if you believe that your day isn't done and your job isn't complete or your worth as a person has not been fulfilled until you do all those jobs, then you're going to find yourself feeling really stressed at bedtime. And so it's unraveling stuff. That's even that like ingrained, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, yeah, it's a, um, I will step out on the limb and say it's a conditioning that we, a lot of us have had, um, for many different areas of, of our life and world. And some people won't believe it, but yeah, I hear there's a lot of moms out there who want to be an amazing mom and that's on their list. Yeah. And they'll say things like, Um, I want my family to help, but I don't like how I want things done the way I want them done. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the impact of believing that, right? What's actually happening because you believe that Mm -hmm. as opposed to allowing other people to do things their way or just get it done so that it's done. (laughs) I mean, number one, they're learning a life skill, which is fantastic they're supporting the family, they're giving you more free time, there's so much great stuff involved in that. But because we are so conditioned to tie our self worth as a mom to some of the work that we do, it's, it can become a real, like, it's like a self fulfilling prophecy, right? When we think we're so necessary, we make ourselves like so necessary in other people's lives, but we don't do that for ourselves. And I'm just going to stay here, like, because I've, I've been guilty of that in my past. So yeah. what's the expression people Me use? Too. Like, I feel so attacked. Yes, right. <laughs> or wait, I feel so seen. Maybe might be seen a nice word. Like, I feel seen and attacked. <laughs> so listener, if you're out there and you're feeling that way, um, you're in, you're in good company. It's, yeah. it's, but it's, I mean, it, it's really clear, you know, like you said, there's sleep coaching and so much of it is also all these other things and look at all this previous experience you've had that you've been able to transfer. Uh, It's like it's transferred in, it's applicable. And, um, you know, it's, it, it it sounds like there was 
even though things aren't linear really in our life, truly, we think they're, but I don't know, I, that's not my experience. Yeah. Um, there's all these things that feed into it and personal experiences. And it's, it's just so good. I, I remember when I, when I first heard about you and sleep coaching and I was like, oh, okay. So, um, I, I definitely like looked at a couple, I, I, I think it was an email you'd said that had, you know, one of the tips was like, oh, does, you know, I deserve rest. I think it's permission to rest yeah. is how you said it. And I was like, wait, I think I need to listen to that and read that again. What do you mean? I have permission to rest. There's all these world battles to fight and right. Yeah, we don't give ourselves permission. And like this all that name and I call my my coaching membership permission to sleep for this reason. I didn't give myself that permission ever. Mm. And in fact, I made it my husband's fault that I didn't give myself like I looked at it like he wasn't giving me permission. Meanwhile, it wasn't his job to give me. It's my job, right? He would nap on the weekends and I would make that mean I had to sort of hold the fort, right? Because he would just sort of disappear and go have a nap instead. And I, and I also made it mean that I couldn't do the same. Meanwhile, he would have been perfectly fine if I had gone for a nap and he was going to look after the kids in the house and whatever else. I never asked. I never said I, I wanted that. I never, I just made an assumption and that became the rule. So I was very resentful, very martyrish, very all of that martyrish. until I realized, yeah, until I realized, whoa, he's just giving himself permission to rest. I'm looking for permission. Mm. That has to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that taking that one in. He's yeah. giving himself permission. Wait, say it again. He's giving himself permission to rest. And I'm sitting here looking for permission from someone else. And I was just like, who's being an adult here? He is. I'm acting like a child. Like this is, it was just such a huge revelation to me that that's what I was doing. Right. And that this has been the thing that most other moms respond to. And I'm wondering even if some women go even a little further with some of it, but you know, I'm looking for it to like, I need to have it from some like unnamed, yeah. whatever it is, something needs to give me that permission and that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's because we've had this implied lack of permission, right? This, like we were talking about earlier, all the socialization that says what we think our job is supposed to be as a wife and a mom. And so there's not really a lot of permission wrapped up in that. And we're not used to looking to give ourselves permission for much this i have an idea of what your answer might be and that's just the way my brain thinks so but i'm kind of curious just because there may be a, a you know a wide range of women who are moms who are not moms older children little children in the in the middle of school year children uh do you find much difference between the the mom like okay let's let's just think about moms for a second moms who either work outside the home or well, like, well, that may not be such a much thing, but like have, have a, a, a like career. I have air quotes here work, not just a career in air quotes, but work out beside, you know, in addition to being a full-time parent, um, or is there no separation between like being a full-time parent working outside the home? Yeah. Or, interesting. Um, are, like, are you thinking of in terms of how much time they have for themselves or like how like, they, how they like sleep issues, just how they, yeah. the interesting thing is, um, I am, I'm, as you're saying this, I'm thinking back to clients and their circumstances and I don't know that I, I, I have coached a few stay at home moms fewer though, um, mm -hmm. than also working moms. I've also coached retired people and people whose kids are long out of the house. So I, that would maybe be more similar to, um, and so, yeah, the sleep issues are the same. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's, it's less related to your kind of circumstances than it is to how you think about them. Okay. Right. Like, um, almost all of sleep is an internal, is an inside job, 
right? We're constantly looking for outside circumstances to change or outside things to help us fix it, but it's not an outside thing. So even, um, even not having the stress of a job is not necessarily helpful. <laughs> and I mean like an outside job because certainly being a stay-at-home mom is a job. I've done both. Yeah, um, same. Yeah. And it's, it can be stressful on its own. Right. But, and it's just, it's different stress. Like for me, when I was a stay at home mom, it was, what am I doing for myself? What's happening? My brain is going to mush. Like, what is my future (laughs) going to look like? I need to figure this out. Um, you know, my, your friends are like built in sort of the other moms who are your kids' friends. Like you're not out there as much seeking out your own interests it's it's, your life is so revolved around your kids right so that's a stress um and then uh being a working mom certainly the stresses were were there too just very different Mm -hmm. and then the stress of work right so i have one there's so much and i know you have so much to share and i um before we finish this interview, I'm going to have you share with the listeners, like how to find you, how to work with you, how to learn more about what things are going on. And, um, but before I go there, because I think this is still such a fascinating topic and I'm sure we could talk for another hour. (laughs) Um, but I, I have, I have like a final question just to kind of wrap up like the journey of this all for you to come to this place and, you can answer this in however you want from either like the coach perspective of coaching people or from your experience with through your life and coming to where you are now. And it is this, if you had a full sports stadium and I know you're in Ontario, right? Yes, I am. And I I don't know if Ontario, what their stadium would be, but like a, like a, like the Toronto Blue Jays stadium. It holds like, 55,000 people. So yeah. All right. So the (laughs) Toronto Blue Jay stadium full of 55,000 people is there. And they said, Janet Whalen, could you please come down and give for about a minute, one piece of advice to everyone about anything you think is really important. Like you think something everybody should know, what would that be? In general or about sleep? Anything. Mm. I think as far as anything, it would be kind of what we've really just talked about. It's that you can always learn more about yourself. You can always uncover, um, a belief that's holding you back or, or you can always kind of change your mind. You know, we're not stuck where we are. I think a lot of us, um, get to a certain point in our life where we think we've learned what we need to learn. We've experienced all these things and that has shaped who we are. And I'm doing air quotes, like mm-hmm. that we get to this point where we create an identity and that that's where we're, where we're stuck. And I mean, that, I think I just live my life. The opposite of that. I am totally, I'm a, a learner. I'm a, <laughs> if I could go back to, if we, I say this to my husband all the time, if we like, won the lottery and had more money than we would ever need. I would just keep going back to university, (laughs) just keep getting different degrees just for fun. Um, I think the minute we think we're done or that we can't change anymore, that's, I just find that really sad. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I, I, I want people to know how possible, um, it is to change so many things about their lives, including sleep. And, and believe me, I had a very firm belief that this is just who I was, that I was just born a bad sleeper. Right. And I think that's been my, one of my biggest lessons in all of life is that I wasn't born really anything. (laughs) You can, you can create your, your story. And, um, yeah, I think that's, it's been super helpful for me to learn to believe that and, um, and now to help other women change even this, like what seems like a small thing, but it's really a big thing, um, in their life. And, and what I see happen is 
they change this and then they go, okay, what else is there? Like, what else am I thinking? That's not true. You know, like I, I was so sure this was true and it turns out it's not, what else is not true? Like, what else am I believing? That's kind of sticking me somewhere that I don't really want to be right. Yeah. And I, I use that as a tool with clients too, when they have a hard time believing that this could be easy. It's like, well, think about something else in your life that you overcame that now feels easy to you, right? Why can't this be like that? And then they start to see how many different things. Yeah. Like they look through, I'm, I'm mimicking for, for those of you who can't see out there in podcast, <laughs> like, it's just like putting the crack in the door and seeing something different. Yeah. 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 That's so good. Thank you. Janet, where can they find you? How can they find you? Oh, um, I'm going to put it in the show notes and a couple of the other things you've mentioned. So, okay. Thank you for asking. Um, the best place to go is, um, a page on my website. It's janetwhalen.com forward slash sleep. And, uh, Whalen is spelled W H A L E N. And on that page, you can kind of, you can download my, um, free, Calm your racing mind at bedtime worksheet. You can get on my wait list for the next time my membership opens up. You can find me through Instagram. You can join my Facebook group. Pretty much everywhere that I am is linked on that page, I think. So that's probably the best place. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. And you have, I believe you also have some resources on your website too, other than um, if I remember right. Let me look. Oh, the blog FAQ work with me. Yeah. Do you have, yes. there's, there's, there's quite a bit there. The and blog there's, actually there's a is, blog too. Yeah. yeah. There's several blog, blog posts that I'm constantly adding to. So, and I have a private face Facebook group. You can get to all that through the website. So yeah. Perfect. And there's probably most, most of the kind of tools and helpful stuff is on the, in the Facebook group. Great. Thank you so much for coming on today and talking with us about your journey of change and about this what one third of our life that we spend um, that is just as important as the awake hours. So I, it is pretty important. <laughs> There's no need to skimp on it just because you believe you're a bad sleeper. There's that, that, that can right. be or to think Or to think that it's a waste because that's the other thing oh, that I, that's the I thought that is that a third of my life, are you kidding me? What a waste. And now I just am like, oh, thank gosh. Like, we are like gifted this third of our life. It's a totally different way to look at it, but yeah. It is, it is. Yeah, yeah. just that, that, even that, that's a little like nugget of wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. All right, take good care. And listeners, thanks for listening. I hope you'll go check out Janet's webpage because you or maybe someone you know and love could use her help. And, and I hope you have a bolder day.